firing off opinions quicker than some do those late night tweets. 1500 ESP. The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of 1500 ESPN. The following is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Hey, hey, everybody. How are you doing out there? I come to you with another illuminating topic in your financial lives. Tales from the financial sector. <laughs> What's the, the 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 financial tower of the of the uh, of what is it Gargon or what is that? <laughs> yeah, man, we're going to be talking about I I think a topic that will resonate with a lot of people. And that is financial partnerships uh, and, uh, you know, relationships with, with married couples, managing money together. And, of course, it is, it is all about partnerships because pretty much everything you can equate to challenges as they uh, are in married couples or, or, uh, or uh, domestic partners, you can probably uh, compound that by, by about five or ten for people who are in business together in business partnerships. And these are, these are enormous challenges. And I often say that, that uh, partnerships never work. <laughs> And those that do are on borrowed time. <laughs> so you can only imagine how well that goes over with my clients who come to see me who are already partnerships in business. Uh, and look, that isn't to say if you are hell-bent, adamant about working together with somebody, you know, a childhood friend, a college roommate, who knows what what justifies why people go into business together. But if you do that, and if you say, I don't give a crap what you say, I'm doing it anyway. Hey, I'm okay with that. You're the boss. Uh, but then I would say go into it knowing what the challenges are. And like all things, prepare for those challenges. So when and if they come, and most likely they will, then you know exactly what to do. And you pull the trigger on the contingency option or you know how to try to overcome them. And, and even in advance, you're doing things to try and ensure that those challenges don't occur, or if they are, they're lessened by uh, by the things that you do in advance. So that's that's what I what I want to say about uh, partnerships, and that's where we begin. So the first thing you have to know about about partnerships as it relates to money is that money is nothing uh, if not complex as a result of human beings complexity it doesn't have anything to do with the mathematics uh and a lot of people to my frustration opt out of the financial conversations under the mistaken premise that financial uh, financial issues and finances in general and whether it's business 
And certainly there are uh, complexities within business uh, accounting and financing. But, you know, ironically, they're not as complex as you might think, and they're not as challenging as you might think. And so really what I'm trying to say is that the reason people are opting out is because it's convenient. It's an easy way to say, well, you know, I just don't understand finances, and that's why I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. No, you don't want to have anything to do with it at all, and this is just a convenient excuse to say that. That's what it is. So basic math is essentially all that is required for money management and for basic accounting of a business. And anyone who doesn't understand these things and chooses not to pretty much is choosing not to ever really be successful. They are also choosing to have a for uh, choosing a, a great possibility of winding up in divorce if they do get married. Um, and just a whole barrage of other things that come from it. I think you can pretty much assign every vice there is as relatable in some way to the lack of money management, instability, or control issues related with money. That's that, and that's over, that's 30 years of working with people and their money. So many times people will tell you that the reason the reason that you know the relationship went sideways would be because of you know multitude of things you know it was about infidelity it was about drug or alcohol it was about you know uh not letting me in and all these other things and almost always you can trace those things right back to the management of money uh because in some instances or in some way that's how people measure things. So, you know, when you think about, about couples and money, you, you, you come together as, as, uh, as a couple. And again, whether that is domestic couples, uh, people just living together, uh, or actually a bona fide married couple. Honestly, at the end of the day, if you are both contributing to the cost of living and working together on that, then this is all relevant for you. And it really doesn't matter. And most of what I'm about to say will be universal, but there'll be some variation on the, the themes based on, you know, what your relationship is and how it is. But the first thing you want to know, um, is, is my partner a spender or a saver? So, uh, there's, there's a lot of ways to measure this, but a spender is somebody who basically, as in all my conversations on this show, we talk about how do you measure your financial life? Do you measure your financial life in things? lifestyle. And you know, look, the millennials are all about lifestyle. They're they're not about things. And part of the reason for that is like a lot of people who say, I don't care about money. Well, part of the reason they don't care about money is because they become so frustrated and they believe that they're not a part of the fraternity of successful people with money. And so the best way to deal with that is to say, I hate money. I, I don't care about money. It's not important. Well, none of those things are true. <laughs> the, the hate part, that might be true. But money is absolutely important and it's only out of frustration that people say that so i think on some level uh the younger generation because they make some of the most challenge they have some of the most challenging mistakes going on right out of the right out of the the blocks and what are those challenges number one student loan debt that's number one issue and part of that issue relates to going to college without any concern for 
what it is that I'm going to earn when I get out of college, which is to say, how am I going to monetize the education that I'm paying for? And did I consider this as a decision of, of, a, of a business? If I were to buy a business, the, the absurdity of purchasing a business and not looking at the financials to see what kind of income it generates, what its expenses are, and what I can reasonably assume I'm going to earn if I pay and purchase this business, the exact same thing should be done for an education and I'm here to tell you that eight out of ten times, it isn't. And moreover, the parents of many of these kids don't even tell them to do it because they're so brain dead when it comes to this stuff, too. Does that sound harsh? Well, too bad, because living it after the fact is a lot more harsh. So the reality is that they walk out of school with significant student loan debt, which is to say payments, big payments that are going to erode what their lifestyle will be like based on their income because they've got an income coming out of college and immediately they've got this whopper of a payment they have to make on student loans. Then they find the love of their lives and they get married and they spend way too much money on the cost of getting married. They don't even own a house yet, and they're already saddled with thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of student loan debt, and they're already saddled with thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of cost to get married on their special day, their wedding. Wow. They are they are they are upside down and in a compromised position from day one. And therein lies the challenge. People become frustrated right from the very beginning. And and what happens is they become disinterested, desensitized, don't care, money doesn't matter, and I don't want to talk about it, and how in the world can you ever succeed with that attitude? So these are some of the challenges you gotta, you got to recognize. Now, again, when you do find that special person, First thing you need to know is, are they a spender or are they a saver? And moreover, are you a spender or a saver? So back to my point, if the way you measure yourself is in lifestyle, lifestyle is the, the trips that I take or the vacations and the places that I travel. It is the... Oh, it is the restaurants I frequent. It is the car I drive. It is the clothes I wear. It is the, the, the home that I live in. It is the schools that I send my kids to. Remember, anything, you know, somebody says, well, you know, I have to, I, I, I need a house. Yes, you need a house. You need a roof over your heads. But where does it go from I need to survive to I need because I think I need, and realistically, it's no longer need but more lifestyle, right? You know, I, I, I always laughingly say I had a uh, woman come in who did a consultation with us, and she wanted us to help them position for financing on a home and tell them that it was okay that they could afford this house. And she said, as a family of four, we just simply can't function in less than 6,000 square feet. <laughs> now, to her, that was an absolute need. And she was, uh, you know, sincere in what she was saying. But it's absurd, right? You know, because I know families of four who exist in 800 square feet and they survive and nobody dies. So the point is, where does it cross over from need into lifestyle? And most people can delude themselves into anything they want to hear. So are you a saver or are you a spender? And when you have two people in a, in a, in a relationship who are both spenders, that is a very bad thing. That is a very bad thing. 
If you have one spender and one saver, hey, that's great because at least the saver, hopefully, hopefully, if the relationship functions properly, is going to somewhat uh, temper the, the spender. If you have two savers, although it may be a boring Spartan life, you may both be very happy with it, and chances are you'll be stable and you will build financial success. Now, there's arguments about, you know, being being a risk taker or not within that saver or spender thing, and I, I know that. But, you know, if I were going to have, have my choice of a couple who was uh, both uh, going to be savers and both going to be spenders, I'd take the two people who are savers every day of the week. So when you enter a relationship, if you're in a relationship and you know that dynamic already, then you have to take that into consideration. And I know because, you know, I, I, I know how complex couples are when it comes to money. I mean, I, I just, I know it, it, how complicated it is. So the other thing I also might want to say here is that financial advisors do not work for the most part with, with people on money management, at least not in a meaningful way. So when I say money management, you're immediately thinking of a financial advisor helping you manage your investments. Okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. And frankly, that's the reason why they're not the right person. Because that financial advisor is only interested to the extent that you have money to invest. And there's no slight against them for that because that's how they make their money. And if they're not making money, then they're in no position to advise anybody else, right? They have to have stability in their own lives. A lot of times, one of the main things that people say to a financial advisor who wants to manage their portfolio is, show me your portfolio, because I want to know that you're personally doing this stuff. Otherwise, I don't want to work with you. So a financial advisor has got to be focused on building assets under management, which means if you've got no money to invest or you've got no investable assets currently, why in the world are they going to talk to you? Moreover, most people want to talk about day-by-day money management so that they'll have money to invest at some point. Well, a financial advisor doesn't have time to talk to you about that because that may or may not occur and they're going to go broke in the process. Additionally, remember that when you get into detailed money management issues, you're now talking to people about things that are very personal and the worst news of of all is that that financial advisor might say something to you that would cause you not not to want to give them your investable assets. So it becomes dangerous for a so-called financial advisor uh, to talk to you about these things. They'll talk to you about, you know, uh, you know, brush over topics like, you know, you want to just want to be frugal and you want to make good financial decisions and all that. But man, when it comes down to should you go to this restaurant or that restaurant, can you afford to take this trip? Should you be sending your kids to private school? Sometimes financial advisors, and rightly so, with intelligence, will opt out of that conversation to the degree that it becomes too detailed because there's too much emotional baggage that goes with it. And if you've got a million dollars in your 401k and you're you're about to roll that money over to them and let them manage it, wow, they say the wrong thing, tick you off, tell you something you don't want to hear, and you don't roll that money over, was it worth having the detailed conversation about the budget? I would say absolutely not. So, So 
know. You have to know who you're talking to and what they really are bringing to the table. Um, <clears throat> when and, and, of course, you're saying, well, then who do you talk to about this stuff? Yeah, well, that's more a financial coaching issue. And certainly, I do financial coaching. Um, and, and that's why what I do and what financial advisors do, and by the way, remember, I've been in that business for years, um, but uh, that meaning the financial uh, advisory business, uh, but the the co- coaching is more about day-by-day decision-making that are catastrophic in their impact long-term. So when I'm doing budgeting and money management with couples, it is just comical because we're walking through the categories we at, we're asking questions. And obviously there are certain questions about certain expenditures that relate more in some instances to one spouse or the other. I'm not going to be sexist by saying which ones they are because who knows. But I'm saying this. When one person answers where they know that particular, that particular expenditure relates more to them, you should see them in my office sitting on the other side of my desk, both facing me in a chair. And before one of them answers a question that they believe relates more to them, they'll lean forward in the chair, look down at their spouse before they answer the question. <laughs> For fear of being persecuted or, or, you know, belittled or berated. So, you know, that's the dynamic that goes on. And remember something. Uh, people want what they want. And they try to manipulate the situation and their partner to get it. You know, if, if a guy wants a gun, if a gal wants, you know, something she wants, they will find a way to talk their spouse into getting what they want. And that is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. So you have to be absolutely transparent and you have to understand, you know, the dynamics that take place and recognize them and then just realize that's, that's the way it is. So if, if you are a person, uh, and think about this, I mean, are you a person who worries about things before they happen and you make plans to deal with them and then you stop worrying about it? Are you that type of person? I mean, legitimately, everybody says they have plans, but do you legitimately have backup plans? And I always talk about the military. I'm a military guy, as you know, and we know that the minute you enter battle, all the plans in the world go out the window, which means that you really do still have plans. But every time you make a battle plan, you've got five contingency backups because you already know that nearly everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And you have to immediately know when to pull the trigger on option A, B, C, D, and F. So when I say really legitimately making plans to deal with things that are potentially going to happen, do you really do that or do you just say you do that? Okay, because if you're sitting next to your spouse and they're poking you, then I suspect I know what the answer to that is. So there's that one. All right. Do you make plans to deal with them? And then you stop worrying about it because you know what? If it does happen, I know how to deal with it. In fairness, this is the right way to approach things of the other two that I'm going to mention. All right. Next one. Or instead, do you worry uh, afraid of everything that might happen, but you do absolutely nothing about it? Are you that type of person? Or do you only worry about things after they've already happened? (laughs) So these are some things that will separate people and the way that they manage money and create anxiety 
and frustration between between couples. And this is again, this is just me talking off the top of my head here because this is what I've learned and dealt with over the years when dealing with people and, and couples. And know this. One plus one equals three when it comes to two people working together as as a team. I mean, you want couples to work together as a team with their money because they are infinitely more successful and powerful if they do that. But getting them to do that, whoa man, can that be hard to do because they never actually confront the issues. See, once you know you have this issue, you immediately can begin to deal with it. But if you walk along the path and no one ever recognizes it or calls you out on it and calls you out, that doesn't mean, you know, to 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 criticize or to belittle. That means we just understand this and then we deal with it. We don't we don't try to dance around the issue. We just know, look man, this is this is how I am and I know it's going to be a challenge and and we're going to have to put fail safes in place to try to deal with it. And again, that's why having two spenders is not a good a good thing. It can be very very challenging. And if you know that you're both two spenders, then you need to come to somebody like me and you need to talk to me so that we can put situ- we can put barriers in place to protect you from yourself. And that's not a joke. If you're chuckling, that's not a joke. I mean, every everybody as a human being is is has has challenges. The human being is is the is the potential point of failure. Everything that can go wrong, really, the buck stops at the individual human being. So, given that you know that, you don't harp on people to become more disciplined. If you're a financial advisor listening to this, because frankly, that's a colossal waste of time. Well, you're going to need to become more disciplined. Well, listen, dumb dumb, they're not disciplined, and they're never going to be and you're not going to change them. So what you do is you create systems that overcome the failing of the human being so they can't mess it up despite themselves. That's what you have to do. So when you you look at these couples and you consider how they measure financial success, if the way they measure financial success is based on lifestyle, the things that I talked about, and you know what would be a perfect example of that? Well, look, if you make more money than you need, and your first inclination is to want to purchase a cabin ver, uh, as opposed to an investment property or put more money in your 401k because you're not fully funding it. You're only doing the 3% mash at work. <laughs> and just let's be clear, fully funding means you're putting more than $1,500 per month per person, per spouse into your retirement account. So if you make more money and your first inclination is to buy a cabin in, you know, Alexandria or Brainerd or a, or a whatever, or a second vacation home, or it is to buy a boat or a nicer car, well, then chances are you are a spender, okay? Chances are that's who you are. If uh, your next inclination when you make more money is to put more money into your retirement account or look at other investments that will enhance your net worth, your asset value, what you own, well, then chances are you're a saver. And you're fearful of what might happen, and you desperately desire security, and the other person obviously does not the way they project their financial success. And remember, financial success. All the people in the back of your mind who are saying you'd never make it, you'd never amount to squat. You're trying to prove to them, we all are, that they're wrong about you. And the way you prove that is by having a nicer car than them, a nicer home than them, a lake cabin, 
better vacations, better clothes, better restaurants. All of those things are the way that most people project themselves. And let's be clear, folks, none of those things enhance your financial stability and certainly do not increase your net worth because even your family home, which, by the way, you've heard me say many times, it is not a good investment as investments go. It tends to be a forced savings plan. An investment property, great investment, very if you do it right. But... For most people, all the things that they think of as being the trappings to demonstrate success have virtually nothing to do with success, and they're all depreciating assets or not even that good. You're throwing money right out the door, and you'll never see it again. And that's how people project themselves financially. So when you think about how you're going to prove to the world, and even yourself and your spouse, how you're doing financially, most of the things that you and everybody you know thinks are financially successful uh, byproducts, they're not. <laughs> so let's take our break. We'll be right back talking about couples and partnerships and managing money and succeeding together. We'll be right back. Great Waters Financial specializes in helping you retire comfortably. When it comes to seeking retirement guidance, you don't need a salesman. You need an ally. Great Waters Financial doesn't have a hidden agenda. Their professionals at Great Waters Financial focus on what matters, your financial peace. Start planning for your future now and make your money work for you. Great Waters Financial is the official financial planning service of Cover Your Assets. For more information, call 612-360-2127 or go to greatwatersfinancial.com. Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's full potential. At Home Rental Systems, we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums and will attain the highest monthly rent possible. Go to HomeRentalSystems.com or call now 612-701-4375. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP Smart Side Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate, 877-SMA-TODAY, or go online to SMA2DAY.com. If you or anyone you know are in a financially challenged situation, listen. My name is Todd Rooker. For over 20 years, I've been helping people strategically plan for and deal with a financial crisis. My typical client may have previously had a substantial net worth and are now in fear of losing their personal home. My clients will often say, in the past, I was financially successful. However, at this point, I'm exhausting all of my financial resources trying to make my payments on time. I feel as though I'm simply delaying the inevitable by throwing good money after bad. So my questions are, Todd, do I let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, deed in lieu, loan modification, credit counseling, or even bankruptcy? And then most importantly, how do I minimize the damage and rebuild my life when this disaster is over? This is my world, and I teach classes on those very topics. So if you or anyone you know is in this situation or you want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763 559 
If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you are structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filings, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.com. CYA21.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Can you deal, man? Can you deal with this? This is a challenge, folks. It really is. Uh, money management for couples is a real challenge. And, and you know, as I say, I work with people. I do financial coaching, and I work with people every day. And they're not broke people. They're people who make often very good money. And people that those who earn lesser incomes would say, well, how can they have financial problems? Well, that's a whole nother story. Uh, but it isn't because they're, they're, you know, irresponsible. It's because they hang around with people who make more money all those kinds of things. But one of the things I, I, I brought up a moment uh, before the break, which is that couples are more powerful together. But I can see when people come in, if there is someone who is, you know, um, you can just tell that the minute I begin talking about transparency, and transparency means that everybody gets to see everything. The minute that conversation begins, they start to become reclusive. They begin to back away from the conversation because they are control freaks. And they many times may have things going on in the background. And I'm not even necessarily saying that they have an affair or having affairs, but in some cases they are. And I'm going to tell you, I can smell it, see it a mile away. I can, I begin to get a feeling. And of course, that means if you have that going on, you're never coming to see me. (laughs) But you can, after, after so many years, the way that a person answers, the way that they react to certain questions, the, the the reluctance to set things up that let the other person see transparently everything because, you know, they're the money manager. They're the one who knows best for the family, and they control everything, and the other person doesn't know anything about it. But, of course, they trust that person implicitly, right? Oh, God, what a disaster. What a disaster. Um, both people need to be managing the money, and, and you can see it a mile away. You know, and I, I also ended the last uh, break talking about, you know, if you're the person who buys the cabin or the boat or the snowmobile or the motorcycle, you know, it's, look, I like those things, too. 
And I get the whole idea that, you know, you could die tomorrow, so you got to somewhat live for today. But it also illustrates the type of person that you are, especially if you're overboard all the way on one side. I mean, well, hey, you know, if you're sitting there driving down the road listening to this and you're, and you are one of those folks, you are that person and you're looking at your spouse, you say, well, we're, you know, we're, we're doing, we're, it's not like we're not doing things right. I mean, we fund our retirement account. I mean, we bought the cabin and, and we do do all those things, but you know, you know, we're funding our 401k and okay. First of all, you've heard me say many times, if you think a 401k is your path to financial success, you are delusional. Okay. A, a 401k when fully funded is going to create great stability for you, but it's surely not going to create wealth. And don't get me wrong, stability is important, but if you want more than that, then you're going to have to think differently than most people because I'm well aware that most people completely agree with you because they all do the same thing because they all have the same mentality. But, you know, when I when we have Great Waters Financial on, and we did last week, one of the primary things we talk about when we work with couples and do any type of, of financial coaching, we immediately create a comprehensive budget that we work with on together both both people are there and frankly i won't even work on it if only one spouse is there i won't do it i won't take them on as a client because i know it isn't going to work and i'm only interested in working with people who will have rave reviews and say wow what a great job you did and it's never going to happen when you have one person only doing it i mean it just isn't so you get both people together well as soon as you figure out the cost of their lifestyle I send them, or more importantly, send their information on to Great Waters, of course, with the client's approval. And then Great Waters, with inflation, factors out how much it's going to cost to maintain their lifestyle into retirement and into their mortality, which is their average life lifespan or age. And wow, what a revelation that is. Now, I say it all the time. How come people don't do this frequently? How, because it's such a simple thing. The software products that are available, and certainly Great Water Software is phenomenal, and they do this for free. They'll tell you, look, man, if your house is going to be paid off in 20 years, and, you, and you're going to do these things, and you're going to live the way you live right now, they're going to tell you immediately how much you're going to need as a grand total on retirement to be able to successfully live throughout your, your potential life, lifespan. They can tell you that. So why don't people do it? Because they don't want to know. <laughs> it's as simple as it could ever be. Because they don't want to know. I don't want to be told that I can't buy the new ski boat. I don't want to be told that I shouldn't be buying the cabin and instead I should be buying uh, real estate or I should, uh, as an investment, or I should be putting more money into my investment accounts or my retirement accounts. I don't want to be told that. So look, I don't want to know. And that's what people do. Um, so you can only imagine that if your spouse is a saver versus you being a spender, you have that attitude and they have the opposite attitude, there's going to be challenges. It's obvious, isn't it? And many times in, in relationships, couples will just stop talking about money. There'll be one person who manages everything. The other person is absolutely oblivious to what's going on. And in some instances, the person who manages the, manages the money becomes, of course, the spoiler of all the fun. And the other person then says, I don't understand. We make good money. Don't you know how to manage the money? And the other one probably flips the other person off and says, screw you, then you do it. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, that's the challenge that you've got. There's another challenge that is an emotional and, of course, psychological issue, um, which is this. What if you've got 
one spouse in the household who's working and generating the income, and maybe the other one is at home not working or taking care of the children, which is most certainly a meaningful component to a family dynamic and relationship. So please don't misunderstand and think that I'm not characterizing the absolute importance of, if you can do it, having one spouse at home taking care of the children and raising them as opposed to paying someone else to do it for you. My wife when when my children were young, stayed home with the kids and didn't earn an income. And I know the challenges that relate to that. And here's one of those challenges. When you're the person making the money, you're frustrated because you're doing the best that you can, but it isn't enough. And you're, if the other spouse is the one managing the money, you're constantly rolling that responsibility and that frustration onto that person because, of course, it can't be the simple fact that you don't make enough money. It must be the fact that that other spouse just doesn't know how to manage money. It must be that because, obviously, you work hard, you make good money, and it should be enough by God. See, I know that. And the reality is many times when people come in to see me, one of the first things I say is, you just need to make more money. <laughs> now, at you know, $250, $300 an hour, that is not what they want to hear. That is not what they want to pay me for. But in some instances, that really is the answer. Because if you eliminate all their discretionary spending and realize that they still don't have enough money, it isn't an issue of, of being more frugal. It isn't an issue of living a Spartan life. It's the fact that you just simply don't make enough money. And you can only imagine, if you're the spouse working, how frustrating that is and how demoralizing it is that your income isn't enough. Then you add to the fact that you've got the other spouse who is maybe feeling uncomfortable about the fact that they're not contributing to the, to the family's finances by bringing in an income. They may be doing something very meaningful and they may be taking great pride in that because they're doing a phenomenal job. However, there's still that frustration that they're not bringing in the money and they, they may, may feel a bit of guilt over that. So these are the dynamics that are going on within relationships, and you have to recognize them to overcome them. That's the most important thing I can say through this whole hour that we're talking about this, is that you have to recognize these things up front. You can't candy coat them. Uh, just like I'm a saver, you're a spender. Look, let's just lay it on the table, because when it comes to partnership blowing up, the number one reason that they don't succeed is because of lack of communication. Listen to what I just said. Communication. Put everything on the table. Don't hide anything. If you're coming into a relationship or a second relationship, oh my goodness, knowing that many of the things that I'm talking about were relatable and relevant in your first relationship that came to an end as a result of these things, then by God, you enter into a new relationship. You better have the brains to be utterly transparent. And if they run away and that's what you're fearful of and that's why you don't want to tell them, too bad. Because it's worse when it happens after the fact. It's meaning when they find out. So let's just, let's just lay it all on the table because if you're both rowing on the oars in the same direction to deal with it because you recognize it's there and moreover to overcome it, then the chances that you'll succeed are multiplied because you're both rowing in the same direction. It's critical. So knowing everything, being transparent about everything, don't hide anything. Communication is the key. 
And I don't want one person handling the finances. I want both people managing the finances. Something happens to one, the other one can jump in and handle the whole thing without missing a beat. But moreover, you're making decisions as a team. Just like a company who has, who has different components to their company, operations, marketing, finance, everyone, excuse me, every one of those people are coming to the department, to the, to the company decision makers, the CEO, the, the, the board of directors, and they're reporting so that everybody has the information from all of those aspects and can make the best decision. This is how you should perceive the decision-making process within a relationship. Look at all of the factors and then as a team, vet the decision. And very important to recognize everybody's opinion matters. Everybody's opinion matters. Um, you, you, you cannot demean a person or discount the value of their opinion because regardless of whether it's right or wrong, empirically, you know, just from a, an objective financial standpoint, whether it's right or wrong, it's how they feel. And like it or not, people manage their money more often than not based on how they feel. So to, uh, to not recognize that or to discount your partner's feelings and considerations and, and, and sensibilities is a colossal mistake. Let's take another break. We'll be right back talking about couples, partnerships, and money. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you are structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filings, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21. If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? Their attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years' experience in this highly specialized field, and it is my job 
job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know, allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly, and most importantly, help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think, but don't waste time. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. That number again, 763-559-3800. Oh, I'm hearing the smooth jazz again, and that means it's time to call in. 651-646-8255, 651-646-8255, and the hosts will answer your call live on the air. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP SmartSide Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate. 877-SMA-TODAY. Or go online to SMA2DAY.com. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. So, are you ready? (laughs) Can you deal with this? All right. So, you know, I, 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 I... Kind of, I, I'm looking at, you know, the, the, this whole thing, you know, we're doing okay. Yeah. And I, we're doing okay. I mean, look, we, yeah, we have the cabin and we do all that stuff. And yeah, we, yeah, we do all that stuff. But, but look, we're doing okay. <laughs> I would always say, yeah, compared to what? Compared to what? Compared to other people that you know who are all screwed up too? I don't care if you make a half a million dollars a year and, and you think you're doing okay. You know, chances are you could do vastly better, vastly better. But, you know, um, and, and, and that's, you know, it just gets down to that. And everybody's got their own, their own way of looking at things. And that's okay. I mean, it really is. Again, just recognize it. So what do you do to overcome these issues? And I, I talked about communication and transparency. So a lot of times when you're entering or entering a relationship, there may be a spouse who has had financial challenges more so than the other, or maybe the other one is flawless. And one of them has got enormous guilt as a result of the fact that they don't have that going on and they are a bit of a mess and god forbid they don't want to rupture this delicate relationship that means the world to them um yeah i'm I'm aware of how how people feel about that but first thing you ought to know is getting married does not commingle your credit and you need not uh commingle your finances in other words if you think that being married means that your your potential new spouse's bad credit is going to comb comb uh exist or comb or melt into yours and now yours and theirs become one and the same 
absolutely positively not true. Absolutely not true. And and another common belief is that, well, when I get married, I now take on my spouse's debts. Here again, flat out not true. It's true if you sign the agreement that you're responsible for the debt. It's true if you finance your home, your car, your business, and everything as a couple, which of course is something I talk about on the show all the time. You don't do it. Couples should never. See, I, I talked about the fact that couples need to manage money together. And, and people, when I say this, they don't get it. They think I mean that being separate means that you're completely autonomous and you don't see each other's stuff. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying from an asset protection standpoint, you, you never commingle bank accounts. In other words, you're not on each other's bank accounts. You don't, uh, you don't, you don't uh, finance things together. In other words, you're not both guarantors of the repayment of the debt. That means that if anybody stops paying on the car loan, the other one isn't affected at all. The house goes into foreclosure. If it's only in one person's name, guess what? The other person's credit isn't affected at all. See, but everybody has this belief that you have to put everything together or you have to be on the financing. Otherwise, you don't own it. Being on a title, which signifies ownership, has nothing whatever to do with whether or not you do or don't owe money on it. So know that both people's names can be on a title and only one person's name needs to be on the note, which is the financial obligation. You may both need to sign the mortgage to give the bank the ability to collateralize its loan against the home that you own, but that doesn't mean that you owe the money. And this is such a misunderstanding from so many people. And most of you are probably looking and you're perplexed by what I just said. So I don't have time to go back. But couples should never commingle their credit, should never, meaning you don't make each other uh, signers on each other's credit cards. And don't listen to the Susie Orman thing where, you know, authorized card user is okay, but authorized blah, blah, blah. Look, you use that card point of sale. You are potentially responsible from a legal perspective. So don't do it. You've got your cards, she's got hers, you don't commingle them. You don't commingle your banking together. Couples, they're not even married and they can't wait to get a joint bank account together. Stupid plan. The whole goal is that if something goes wrong, one person is beaten up, but it's limited in its liability, that one person. And if you're a strong couple, then the other person becomes the financial rock and credit that you stand on and now you can continue to function. If you put everything together and getting married doesn't do that, you do that on your own because you don't understand how things work, now both people go down in flames, and now you are really screwed. So from an asset protection standpoint, if I had my way, couples would never commingle their banking. They'd never commingle their credit. They'd never commingle their taxes, meaning that they would file married separate. And that way, you would always have a backup plan financially. So that's first thing. Next thing is openly discuss what's important to each of you without any concern of what the other person might think. Because at the end of the day, you still think these things, whether you verbalize them or not. So you might as well communicate and get them on the table so that we can deal with them. So tell the other person what is important to you. Hey, I've got I, I've got this insecurity, man. I, I don't know. I, I've got to put it out there, man, to prove to people because I do feel insecure about money and blah, blah, blah. Okay. There it is. So now we deal with it, right? Um, you should have common goals. Uh, that means that you, you guys may have individual goals, but what are the common goals that you have together? Because if you pursue them together as a passionate mission, you will have vastly more potential to succeed with those goals. So that's very important. You're going to budget together. That means you're both going to be managing the money together. You're going to sit down. You're going to put it together. It's not one person who's going to put it all together and then the other person reviews it. I mean, you're doing the whole freaking thing together. 
And if that means you need to get a sitter or bring the kids to your mom's, that's what you do because you need that time. And do not think that you're going to put this thing together in 15 minutes. You are freaking delusional. It takes a lot of work and it'll take hours. I mean, Two to four hours to put it together. How do I know that? Because I do it with people ongoingly every single week. Two to four hours. Are you serious? Yes, I am. Remember that budgeting is not reconciling after you spent the money when it's too late to do anything about it. It's controlled and intentional spending so that you know how much you have left before the end of the month ever comes. And you know what you're going to spend at the end of the month before the month ever begins. That's very different than balancing your checking account or reconciling your accounts online to see what you've spent after it's too late to do anything about it. Trust me, you're not going to siphon the gas out of the tank or bring the groceries back if you exceeded the grocery budget or the gasoline budget. It's too late. So reconciling isn't, and that's what most people think of when they think of budgeting, controlled spending to know how much I'll spend at the end of the month before the month ever begins. So that's, and you do that together. Um, you are going to analyze financial decisions and you're going to put a number, which means that anytime this decision exceeds this particular number, we are then going to discuss it. And we're not going to discuss it after we've signed on the dotted line or gotten the financing. We're going to discuss it now before we ever make the decision. And that's vitally important. We have a call. What do you think, Joe? Do we have time for this call? Sounds great. We'll take a break and caller, caller, uh, uh, what is it, Tony? We'll come back to you right after the break. Look forward to it. We'll be back in a moment. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's full potential. At Home Rental Systems, we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums, and will attain the highest monthly rent possible. Go to HomeRentalSystems.com or call now, 612-701-4375. Do you have enough to retire? Do you even know how much you need to retire? Great Waters Financial specializes in helping people nearing retirement get ready for their next big challenge. Great Waters Financial can help you understand how much you'll need for a comfortable retirement, how long your money will last, and what you need to do now to make sure you can retire the way you want to. You've earned a great retirement. Let the team at Great Waters Financial help you make it happen. Four convenient offices in the Twin Cities. GreatWatersFinancial.com Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. So we're going to take Tony's. Uh, we're going to take Tony's call here. And uh, hey, Tony, you there? Hey, 
Yeah, yeah, hello. So let's hear it, buddy. Uh, yeah, right, man. I just had a question for you. Um, it's sort of a basic one, but it's like it's been kind of a mind twister for both of us. Uh, we just can't ever get a, a correct answer. Is it more beneficial to be married when you're doing all your financial records and, you know, the benefits? Is there a benefit to being married or is there more benefit to being single and living together as far as financially, you know, taxes and whatnot? I'll hang up and listen. Oh, man. <laughs> well, there is an emotional component to that, that that probably might trump everything, which is called commitment. Uh, and, of course, people will argue that not being married, you can be every bit, bit as committed. But then the question would be, well, then why don't you just get married if you're so committed? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. All right. So look, up until the tax changes, there was a marriage penalty wherein if couples uh, were married and their combined income uh, as a grand total uh, was the same as it was if they were separate, they would actually or potentially pay more in taxes as a married couple with a combined income than two people separate who earned a substantial amount of income individually. So that was called the marriage penalty. So when I say don't get married because of that, well, first of all, your income better fall into that range and second of all that that really isn't an issue um anymore so um but nevertheless there are there here's some of the reasons why not being married might be beneficial because look when you walk into a bank a bank will give you the impression because look at the end of the day a bank wants as many guarantors of the repayment of a debt as possible because if things go wrong for one person they want more people to pursue to be able to get that money based on a personal guarantee if you're married chances are the bank is going to be telling you that you both have to sign. Why? Because they won't want both people to sign. Well, then, you know, if that's true, how would a person who's single function? Well, exactly. Uh, if you're single, they're not going to ask your spouse to sign on a loan or a, or a, a note, a financial obligation uh, that you have because you're not married. Um, do they have to do this? Do they have to have both marriage, married spouses? Spouses do it. Absolutely not. But regardless of whether you choose to get married or don't, Tony, the bottom line is don't commingle your credit because you can accomplish everything you want to regardless of whether you're married or not in terms of keeping things separate. You just need to be conscious and intentional about it. Remember that you can convince each other of anything you want and that's why having outside coaching is so valuable because it's objective in a way that a a couple can't be. Money management with couples is marriage counseling. Never forget it. We'll be back next week. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody.